0: Remix. Oh my god, I'm getting a Morse code message, people. Hold on.
1: Hello and welcome to Creativity and Chaos, a 1L2N podcast. I'm Amy and we are joined by some talented people today. Missy? I like to write. Mike?
0: I like to steal people's writing tommy <laughs>
1: and our most talented guest liam yo we are a family of creatives going through the story writing process and we're bringing you a lot for the ride hello everyone how are you doing this week i gotta keep you on your toes you never know what's gonna come out of me you know
2: that's true you
1: you it's a fair point i would just like to declare death to daylight savings time <laughs> Oh
3: yeah, that did set. Can we just stop,
0: please? I, I didn't know it was happening until this morning, which is the first time.
3: Yeah. This could have <laughs> been the
0: time if my phone did not change that I would have missed something based upon daylight savings. So
3: it's on now. We turned it on. It makes sense. Let it be later, later in the day. Let's just never shut it off again. Just can we just stop it, please? <laughs> I agree. My body just can't take the back and forth. It takes weeks, sometimes months for me to recover from this. And then I have the dread of having to go through it all over again. So
0: I think it's the one industry that you could blame for it is Big Sun. (laughs) Oh.
3: (laughs) But Big Sun hasn't done anything differently in, you know, millions of years. Like, That's true. It's not Big Sun's fault.
0: Have you all seen the videos of how we imagine the solar system going through space versus how it actually is?
3: Oh, yeah. Like how people think about it like in a sphere. Yeah. Or not a sphere, like a disc, but it's actually like a corkscrew.
0: Yeah, it's like a corkscrew spiraling through space with like all the planets chasing the sun. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. It's
2: cool. Come back.
0: Please come back. (laughs) No, don't leave me. You're
1: warm.
3: (laughs) Sounds like, dang it, I can't get these kids away from me. I
1: just need five minutes to myself. <laughs> mom, mom, wait, mom, come back. Yeah. Mom, I'm hungry. Mom, where's my socks? And then, Mom, that moon crashed into me. <laughs> I guess Pluto is just the black sheep of the family because nobody acknowledges it anymore. But it's still following along, which is so sad. Pluto's it's still following along member. with all the other solar
2: bodies that are just like it. So. There you go. Yeah. Pluto's adopted, but we still love them.
3: Don't feel bad for Pluto. Pluto was lying about what it was for a long time till somebody put
0: Pluto in their place. Yeah. Pluto just wishes it could be a Neptune. I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. Which is exactly why they're adopted.
3: Get as big as Eris and get back to me, Pluto. Mm-hmm.
1: Wow. There's a lot of Discord about Pluto. <laughs>
0: <laughs> How's everyone this week? I got a lot done. This is the first podcast I've been on in three episodes. So if you were blessed by me not talking, you should switch off now. (laughs) I've been super busy with school, but I just did a presentation and I did two midterms this week and a bunch of other stuff. So yeah, it was great. AKA great with quotations.
2: I had a simple uh, work week. Work week was fun, but uh, I I tried pickleball for the first time this week, uh, and at least I really loved it. <laughs> like I really really loved it. It was a great workout, and the friend I was with, she was she was going easy on me for sure. Cause she wanted to spike my ass, but it it was just like a a warm up to tennis. And I've never played tennis or pickleball or anything of that variety besides like ping pong or table tennis. So. It was my first real experience of, like, trying to actually have, like, a good form and running around. It was great. It was a good day for it, too. It was, like, 50s, clear skies. Ah, Isn't it, like, I the fastest
0: it. growing sport in America, Yeah. I think? I did not know that. Yeah. I, they, they're building pickleball courts in our town. And I was That's like, weird. what the hell is pickleball? And I looked it up, and it's like, pickleball is a sport for old people. And I was like, I really <laughs> want to try that. <laughs> so, yeah, I like old people sports.
3: I thought you just use a tennis court. You can. It's like,
0: like a totally modified can. version. It's a lot closer. Uh, yeah, all oh Yeah. It is...
3: Oh, it's play closer. Okay.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Exactly. They just have, you have your tennis lines, which are your white lines. And then or at least the one we were at, it was blue lines indicating the pickleball court. And it's in general, almost the same length, but it's much tighter.
3: Well, you're using like a wiffle ball. So yeah,
2: yeah you are using a wiffle ball. I it's fun. Go as far. I don't know. You can smack a wiffle ball. Let
0: me tell you. Go ahead. Tell us. No. i really want to get back into disc golf because it's fun but there's no courses out here like the university has nine holes on it and they're all out in the open pretty much on like a single Mm. hill and you kind of have to like throw back and forth across this hill to get the actual goals so i don't know i just wish disc golf was a thing although i did hear somebody said that they were from the some place in the midwest you know the the definitely the flyover zone and they called it froth which was frisbee golf yes
2: yes i i've heard this turn popping up everywhere and i don't know why but it pisses me off yeah. i'm like this is disc golf this is not froth this is not frisbee golf there's a difference
1: i just want to point out we've actually had the same exact conversation on the podcast before it's fine yeah. i don't care this is new it's to been me three so... weeks
0: forgot everything i said on the podcast <laughs> let's go <laughs>
3: So wait, yeah. but wouldn't wouldn't there be a difference though? Because like disc golf, you're using these heavy discs, whereas frisbee golf or froth or whatever dumb name it has, you're using a frisbee. Like those are separate in- instruments, right?
1: Well, I think frisbee golf is like usually disc golf, but they're just calling it frisbee golf because you're still using the yeah. discs, but you're, the discs are frisbee-like. They're just smaller and heavier.
2: Even though they are classified as discs, Missy, People are calling them frisbees, and they're calling them. It's they're, they're doing it frisbee golf. I just said that. Then, I just said that. Thank you for oh.
0: explaining that, Tommy. I appreciate it. Yeah, oh.
2: I could see the confusion on her face, and Amy, I've got a way with words. We all know it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Out of everyone, hey, I didn't say it was a good way with words. I just said a way. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um. So I was thinking, and then, blah, 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 blah. and you usually have to yeah, ask for clarification. It's. it's it's more like, so anyway, today I was thinking about that. Uh... Yeah, yeah, sorry. No, I like... forgot to get more distant from the microphone as I was talking. Yeah, yeah.
1: You're like, so, anyways, I will, okay. So the thing, okay, wait, wait. So I, I really enjoyed today. It was great.
2: Yeah. <laughs> it's I better did, than me, you. though,
3: because I'll talk and I'll just stop mid sentence and just forget <laughs> everything I was
2: talking about. I love that. I love that so much.
3: It happens. All the time now, and it's very frustrating.
2: That happens to me when I'm just doing something else, and it pisses Liam off so much. He's like, what were you going to say, Tommy? What were you going to say? Tommy, say it! And start yelling at me.
4: <laughs> and it's good I, I used to do that because you did it all the time, but <laughs> now I've just accepted it. <laughs> it's a way of life. can't speak.
3: Yeah, but Tommy, is it because you get distracted or because your brain just flushes?
2: I'm stupid.
4: <laughs> it's a mixture of both most of the time. Yeah, so my look, brain just hits a right button on.
3: and deletes all the information at the most inconvenient times. So,
0: <laughs> I wonder what level of ADHD we all have.
3: Oh,
1: I'm sure. i like I
0: wondered. Yeah, I'd I'd I love would. to get like actually diagnosed to see if it's you know yeah. a thing. It's just it's a long process too.
1: Yeah. Whenever I'm editing the podcast, especially if it's an older one and I just don't remember what I said, I'll be listening to the conversation and then I'll be like, yeah, but we forgot to talk about this, even though one of you had just talked about it. I'm like, "Yeah, wow, I don't hear anything. (laughs) Good job, Amy.
3: Liam's experience with this with me is when talking about a TV series, even if it's something we just finished watching, and I will have zero recollection of scenes in the show or even major plot points. He was showing me something last night on a show that we had watched together. I was like, I don't remember this at all. Like that character was in the show? What? (laughs)
2: Like
3: I just don't remember it. But it also explains why I can enjoy watching the same shows over and over again because so much of the material
1: is new to me every time. (laughs) You make a good point. That's why I like reading books over and over again because I feel like especially When you're just, especially the first time and you're reading, you're like, I just need to get this into my brain. I need to know what happens next. And then you read it again. I'm like, wow, I missed a lot. And then you read it again. You're like, I missed a lot, even though I've read this multiple times before. Yes. (laughs) So I I get that. I feel that. But I don't know if that's just because I'm stupid or I don't read carefully. Probably a little bit. Serotonin
2: overdose. You're
1: just like, (laughs) I'm oh my gosh, that was such a good experience. What did I experience? Yeah. Well, that's why I sometimes I'll read a book and then I'll listen to the audiobook and I'll be like, they said what? When did they say that? Go back to the book. I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess they did. I just completely missed that. Well, you Ugh.
3: absorb information differently depending upon if you're hearing it or seeing it or this reading it. This is true. It. So this is very true. That's why when you're learning something new, the more sources of like styles of information that you can get into you will help reinforce that.
1: Speaking of Learning something new (gasps) taken from all
0: sources,
1: guys. The AI, it's taken over. Thank
0: God, it's about time. Anyways, next subject. <laughs>
1: so, I was like, I, I don't have anything to say about this, but I know you two did. So I was waiting for you guys to jump I know, in there. I, know. I think
3: we need, first of all, I think the term artificial intelligence or AI is getting it's, thrown around loosely. It is. And people. we have not actually discovered, invented, created, or caused to happen artificial intelligence yet. Like we're nowhere near it. Yeah,
0: we have PAI, yes. like pre artificial yeah. intelligence. Yes. we're programmed artificial intelligence. Like a we
3: can make super, super, super seemingly intelligent machines, but we're just making a machine and programming it how to make decisions. Like it's not conscious. It's not. It doesn't have the capacity to learn things that we haven't already taught it to learn or how to learn. Oh, so it's not a Skynet situation. Not yet. Not if scientists Damn. have anything to do with it. They're so <laughs> excited about bringing the end of the world that they just try harder every day.
0: So I have been using AI a lot. Like I used Chat GPT on my midterm, which was great. Uh, yeah. Uh, See,
3: uh, Amy, you, you need to cut that.
0: No, no, you don't. You want to know why? Why? What do, What do you think of when I say I use Chat GPT on my midterm?
3: I don't know that thing that people ask it to chat GPT or whatever it's called. What if this person said this about that, or tell me about whatever. And then it kind of regurgitates whatever it is you're asking for. Like I've seen pastors Mm -hmm. ask it to create sermons for them on certain subjects. And I've seen professors ask it to explain certain things using a certain other author's kind of voice or or style of writing.
0: So I think that that's what the sort of if you're going to be going into it with the idea that you are going to cheat, then of course it can do that. That's the exact same thing as if like you put in a calculator on a no calculator test and you use that tool. But if mm-hmm. you're going into it, like what I did is I'm having a very difficult time in class. I've been using it a lot lately. It's great. And I will ask it a question about a subject. I won't ask it for the answer to a question, but I will ask if it if the question's like, how does... A and B relate to C, then I can go to chat GPT and say, what is A? And it can give me an entire overview of a subject in a way that I have not heard from a specific professor. And then okay. I can start to link those pieces of information together so I can get the answer of it. And it's not, it is not plagiarizing. It is not cheating. It is merely a form of getting the information, especially when it's an open note test.
3: So you're using it more like an alternative Google.
0: to Google. Yeah, it's a yeah, research exactly. function. It is, And okay. if you, if a, you think about okay. it that time... Like what, one of the cool parts about it is you can say, "Hey, can you give me sources for this specific subject?" and it can chunk out a huge list of like scientific sources that is usually very difficult to find, but it can pop out a bunch of them and then you can go read those papers and cite them however you want. You don't have to use them, but that's how I've been using it. And that's specifically why I wanted to say is because a lot of people will hear like, "Oh my god, Mike cheated on his midterms just from me using GPT, but I actually think it's a really, really useful tool. If you want to try and find multiple sources of information and have it explained to you in a way that maybe your teacher wasn't Talented enough to do I'm specifically not Asking it the questions On the test Because if I do And I copy and paste it That's cheating That's, that's plagiarizing cheating. Yeah it's like That'll get me kicked Out of school And I also don't learn Anything in that process And other classes I take in the future I will have to have That information But I will say If anybody's like Not understanding A subject The way that it works Is, is very fluid And natural In conversation mm-hmm. So I can explain A subject in ways And I'm like Oh that is so simple Now I kind of get this overall term. Is it 100% foolproof? No.
1: Well, I think that when you ask things into searches like Google, they're riddled with ads and people who pay to be seen above other things that you get so lost in all of the stuff that they're purposely popping up that you're like i just need taco bell's menu like why (laughs) i don't understand why i'm getting all of these other things and so i can definitely see that would be a great resource like that's awesome that you're able to use it like that
0: because it it is
1: cuts out all the bs yeah yeah it's right yeah
0: and uh, to be honest somebody that is in my lab told me they were using it for what i because i thought the exact same thing as missy i was like whoa you can't really use that isn't that like against cheating or whatever and they told me like no you it's it's like having a tutoring assistant if you ask it the right questions and i was like oh That's That's
3: cool a really interesting perspective i have only seen it used for people who are just playing around with it to see what it can create yeah or people who are like giving examples of essentially cheating like having it write something for you yep with the bigger question of like like the existential sort of side of it you know do we even need professors if we can have this do we need artists if it can you know AI or fake AI can do it for us you know I've only really seen it from that perspective and a lot of teachers concerned about students having it write their assignments for them
0: yeah because it's it's much much harder to detect plagiarism with it apparently because Mm. every time it answers it doesn't answer the same way that google or bing or whatever does although i think it's integrated in bing at this point or they just are starting to. But it rephrases it. It has like a natural mm-hmm. conversation every time. But if you're really trying to synthesize information, you don't copy and paste something that something else is synthesized. You have to take it in yourself. and you
3: have to be real dumb to do just copy and paste.
0: Yeah. And if it's wrong and, you know, you don't yeah. understand, it's, yeah, it's very, very bad. But I think it's a... It's a unique thing that you said, like replacing professors. I don't think it does replace professors. It's it's very much in the same way that I don't think AI art is replacing artists. I think it's a complementary tool if used correctly. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people will use it to replace professors. They will use it to replace artists in general. But as far as I know, most AI art tools search for images of something that has kind of already been made and take pieces of that to create something new.
3: It's more of a springboard.
0: Yeah. Y- yeah.
3: Then. Original creation.
0: It gets kind of interesting when you think about, you know, copyright laws and, and, you know, fair use. Obviously, DJs did this with music when turntables came out and people started remixing songs and Mm -hmm. taking snippets to make their own. But that was a person doing it. So we can say that there's some sort of artistic creativity behind that. But then when a machine does it, it becomes something something different in our mind. A machine is not allowed to be artistic because it's something that I guess we limit only for humans. And I don't know. I I've, Again, I don't really have a problem with AI art, only if it is complementary or used you know in certain situations if you're obviously going to ai art and you say i want an art piece that is in this style just like this person makes then maybe that's a little weird because the ai is going to look only at that person's stuff i don't know Mm
2: -hmm. it could
3: also be an educational tool
0: Yeah,
1: I think with DJs, it's a little different because when a DJ is playing, I'm not saying that they don't have their own songs that they put on Spotify or wherever, but a lot of times when they're playing, they're playing for a crowd and it's not like they're saying, hey, I own this Britney Spears Toxic song. I'm just remixing it. And so a lot of times when they put their own songs out there, they do credit like, oh, here's Toxic remix. Mm -hmm. They do credit the artists where I think with the AI art, they're not crediting any of the art artists that they're taking the art from. Yeah, that's a it's good just point. just saying like, oh, here's this new picture for you and not saying, hey, where we got these. He, this is where we got all those images from. So I think it can be different because then if someone's remixing Toxic by Britney Spears, you know that's Toxic by Britney Spears. But if someone's taking that piece of art from AI art, you don't know where it's from, you just know it's AI art, and then you get the credit for making, for entering the in- information. And I think that does take away from the artist who did originally create those pieces, which I know we've gone over this before, so we don't have to talk about yeah. that portion, but I just wanted to to add my two cents.
2: I'm going to talk about it, because okay. what <laughs> I wanted to talk about specifically, Corridor Crew, which is a digital media company, that they release a bunch of like tiny little CGI skits or something along the lines of like, it could be actual real life mixed with CGI type stuff. They just they just release a bunch of skits on YouTube and you can watch it. They released a recent video that was called Anime Rock, Paper, Scissors. It's just a dumb little skit that they made. And the entirety of that anime was made using AI art, essentially. And what they did, and they fully explain in like thorough detail exactly what they did, They shot themselves live action behind a green screen and got keyframes of exactly what they wanted. And then they had an AI draw over them in the style of Vampire Hunter D Bloodlust, which is an older anime. So they trained this AI specifically to do that style and that old anime feel. And they're very open that said, hey, we took pictures and we like, got frames from this specific anime so our skit would look like this so essentially they're doing a whole bunch of work shooting it live action they they actually go from like a 24 frames because they're shooting at 24 frames and they cut those frames in half to make it feel more hand-drawn and it eventually ends up being like really wonderful semi-scary interpretation like ai drew all of this but they were in control of every single thing that ai was drawing because they filmed it first and it's definitely a different method of animation being used right now because i'm doing a a okay job explaining it i feel like it's better to watch it they explain how the their artist's mind are still going into it they're just using animation or sorry ai as a tool they're not using it as hey look we didn't storyboard anything the ai created everything they storyboarded it they voice acted it they did all the music for it they just filmed it and then they had a few plugins and it swapped essentially they went from filming it to animation
1: but like I was saying, that's giving credit where credit's due, whereas most AI art is yes. not. No, no, I So that I'm okay with personally. But, but
3: I would take th- it even one further. I like everything you just said, right? That Mm -hmm. makes sense. They're using it as a program tool. I have no problem with that. My concern in that story is that they were specifically mimicking somebody else's art. Yes. And not just like, oh, somebody drew in pointillism, so we like that. We're going to do that in pointillism as well. They took a source material of a very specific art style and applied that to their own art. Yes. Which feels like a very gray area, questionable, like are they taking somebody's art and making it their own?
2: I totally agree. I just want to play devil's advocate with it because I was thinking about it from this perspective, too what difference would it make if they were clearly inspired by the vampire hunter but then they had an actual artist draw in that exact same style because that's like the basis method for a lot of artists on fiverr for example is i draw in this style i draw in this artist's style so it's like i don't think necessarily the vampire hunter anime doesn't own that style They're just using it to, let's just say, let's add another extra step to what they were doing. What if you had an artist and you hired them to say, hey, I want you to draw in the vampire hunter style a hundred different things. And then they fed those things into the AI. Because at that point, it's just an extra step as to doing what the AI was doing already. It's just, it's okay because a human drew those initial steps. Yeah, I'm playing devil's advocate.
3: You have an, a gray area like yeah. using somebody else's style. You're just shifting it on to another person instead of the AI, right? Yeah. Like I think it ultimately comes down to monetization, right? So if you are borrowing from somebody else's material... And then turning around and making money off of it, that's no different than borrowing from someone's music, right? And making money off of it, which is not allowed, right? You Get in trouble for that. If you're doing something just for your own entertainment or as a gift to someone or whatever, I don't have a problem with that at all. It's when you turn around and are making money off of something that somebody else came up with designs without necessarily royalties or paying like I, getting I guess, permission or i don't know where do you draw the line with? well
0: I, I think I that's know. where you have to, you have <laughs> to think know. about how many degrees of separation do you need first of all and then can you copyright or own a style like what i don't know you know if you are creating a specific comic book or whatever let's say you you have a character that you draw but we'll, we'll say Disney, for example, Disney has Mickey Mouse, right? They have copyrighted the character of Mickey Mouse, but the drawing style that Mickey Mouse is drawn in, that's a technique. And so can you copyright a technique? Can you say this technique is now mine for forever? Or can you copyright the thing that you actually created, which was the character? And I think that there's a differentiation between the technique and the actual character. And I think it's good that it's that way. Because if we started differentiating the technique and the character, we could get into a lot of really tricky spots, especially when it comes to copyright. Mm -hmm. Imagine your four chord progression that you know every oh, single pop song yeah, is based yeah. upon. Oh yeah. If you say, "Well, you can't do that cuz I use those progressions. That's my technique. That's that's the thing." Then all of a sudden we go, "Ooh, do we have to contribute back to it?" I think that if if you are specifically being inspired by a a very specific artist, you should say this is the artist that I was inspired by for this production. But unless you are reproducing that artist's original work or something that is so drastically close to it, I don't know if I agree that you shouldn't monetize it, but I do agree that you should absolutely say who you were you were basing your creative endeavors. At the very or, least, yeah. yes. I agree with
1: that. I think that there's definitely companies that probably do try to copyright certain styles. So, with Disney as your example, for instance, they 100% would probably have tried to copyright that style because it's yeah. Disney. Whereas I just looked it up and apparently it's you can't copy things like an art or you can't copyright things like an artist's style. So, ultimately, no, I don't think copying somebody's style is illegal or wrong. I would just say, like, give credit where credit's due, like, hey, this is copied off of, like, a Disney style, or, like, I was inspired by Disney when I made this, or we were inspired by the style of the vampire hunter when we made this. I think if you're copying the anime frame by frame, well, that's a different... That's a different thing. If you're stealing their voice, the voice actors' voices, if you are stealing the story or just reusing the story, but it's like a different animation. Okay, well, then that's wrong. But if they're creating their own thing and using the style of Vampire Hunter and they said that they were using it, like I think that that's okay. If they just said, oh, yeah, this is brand new, like we just came up with this style on our own, like that's a different story. I don't think it's illegal, but it's very crummy of them to do
2: yeah from my perspective i am very excited for this type of technology i'm obviously i'm cautiously optimistic i feel like it's the best way to describe it because i think this is going to be a wonderful tool to inspire a lot of people who otherwise wouldn't be able to create vi- visual phenomenons so i'm excited for it on the other hand i'm obviously a little scared because some of the some of like the voice ai and and obviously, the A.I.R. is getting really good, so it can be used for good and bad. I guess
0: I think it's it's a tool, and it's very dependent upon your intent behind it. And that is the great debate that I think artists have had throughout all of time with any tool, and whether it's an artistic tool or not, is how do we use this tool? Is it for a benefit? Is it not? You know, humanity changes its views on those things all the time, and yeah, it's it's very difficult it's it's new territory that you're always going in yeah i would say that that specifically if somebody's doing what we'll call an artistic cover which songs, a lot of times artists do covers. When you do a cover, you either have to get permission from the original artist or you have to pay a certain percentage of your royalties for it if it gets beyond a certain popular percentage. I don't know if something like that exists for other artistic works. And that's a difficult one. It, we could say in a book, if you're reading a book, you can't really cover it, right? That's pretty simple. It's, it's just here is the book again. But when you start getting into painting, You know, if you did your rendition of a Picasso, is that covering it? It's just it's a whole weird territory that I think it takes a lot of time to try and suss out what's right or wrong.
2: And I think with AI, especially in this boom of this new type of technology, we're going to see it get better and we're going to see those rules quickly get flushed out, I think because everyone's hopping on it and it's just it's just getting more and more popular and therefore people are coming up with new techniques sharing it with each other it's just a thing that's going to keep getting better and better really fast over the next year and we're going to see those rules instantly like come like oh you can't do that can't do this can't do that
1: i want to go back to the books real quick like you were talking about mike i don't think you can really copy a book however There's a lot of retellings. Retelling is what it's called. Instead of like, oh, this is my cover of. It's, oh, this is my retelling of. I know Beauty and the Beast is a story that has been retold so many times. And Mm -hmm. they'll even say like, this is a beautiful high fantasy version of Beauty and the Beast. Or this is a beautiful sci-fi version of Beauty and the Beast, you know. So I think... I think with books, it's a little different because it's like there's so many stories that are out there that have all been told. Mm. One of my favorite series is The Lunar Chronicles, and it's essentially about Cinderella, and she is part robot. And it's it's fully like Cinderella, but it's just a beautiful sci-fi version retelling of Cinderella. And they've got Little Red Riding Hood in there. They've got Rapunzel in there. They've got Snow White and the Evil Queen in there. But the way that they tell it is very uniquely your own, even though you can very much tell, hey, this is completely the same story. It's just fascinating because it's a retelling. So I think it is a little different for books in that sense. I haven't heard of someone straight up being like, "Yeah, this is my my book." And you're like, "No, that is literally you literally just said the story of Beauty and the Beast. It wasn't different at all. You just changed the names or something." But I also think with stories there's probably more of a creative license going on that's more acceptable. So I but guess maybe I'm wrong. I don't know.
0: Specifically what I was trying to say is that Covers are typically taking the exact same story and telling Mm -hmm. it again in a a very similar way. Whereas more of a remix would be kind of what you were talking about, where it's taking the Mm -hmm. ideas and making it your own. And it can oftentimes be similar or a little bit different, but there's, and that's, that's the interesting part is now we have to define, we have two different like categories. And then within those two different categories, you can have covers that are near one-to-one or covers with some original tweakings and then you have to determine okay well what point do we say the artist in the original is owed something versus the artist in the original is not owed something because this cover is so unique and i don't know it's it's a it's a tough point i was specifically talking about the books because you can't cover quote-unquote a book in the same way that you could do something else because if you just rewrite it it's it's the exact yeah yeah Yeah, Yeah. there's no other layers to that
3: i suppose the only way you could really cover it is if you did like a book reading for someone else's
0: book that's true yeah you could do something like that you could you could cover it in an audiobook because that's a different another layer of an artistic like adding on to One person could read it one way, one person could read it the other. It's about how many layers of this nacho dip do we want to add on to it? Because the more layers you add on, the less it is just straight salsa.
1: (laughs) I like straight
0: salsa. Oh, me too. Absolutely. But sometimes. By the
1: spoonful, gross. Yeah, but can we
0: define salsa as also a seven layer bean dip? You know, they both might have salsa. Get your
1: beans out of my salsa. It depends upon... it's. You could be like, this is a deconstructed salsa. So just like <laughs> yeah. a layer of tomato sauce, <laughs> a layer of onions. I hate that. So I it's still that. a dip, but I it's really it. just I salsa so deconstructed.
0: I, I think another way to think about this whole AI thing is that, like Missy said, we don't have AI. We have stuff that we yeah. programmed at this That's point. True. It's a very complex algorithm that says, if A and B and C happens, then D, whatever. Yeah, make D. It's yeah. kind of the same way i'm going to relate this all the way back to djs i think is it's kind of the same way that djs act right they go i know the beats per minute and i know the baseline that gets people moving and i know the hooks that sound really good. And if I can combine them all together, I can make this other thing so they can search through songs. They can do a kind of internal algorithm and say, what piece for A, B and C do I need to create that new remix? That's something that's interesting. And that's really all AI is doing. It's that the difference is humans naturally do it. We have some sort of intuition. And I think when people can't really express the specific steps that they're doing, we call it artistic nature. But I do truly believe hmm. that artistic nature, if you want to boil it down, can be a process of if you do each one of these tiny little steps, then you can get this final product. Now, will it be a very similar product to what other people have created? Yes, it will. But at the same time, that's that's kind of how we can look at learning and music and everything is just taking a bunch of steps and trying to combine them together into our own piece. But realistically, all those steps have already existed and all the steps will probably continue to exist for a very long time. That's so profound. Just what happens when I have three weeks off. I come back, I say smart stuff, and And then (laughs) Next week? (laughs) Yeah, next week I'll be like, I made desk. That's because I ordered a desk. So
1: So what you're saying is that AI art isn't inherently good, and it's not inherently bad, but it might fall somewhere in like a a gray middle ground?
0: A middle... A middle area, a gray, a morally ambiguous spot where perhaps Mm. some people use it for good and some people use it for bad. Like some people are the villains and some people are the heroes. And it all depends upon the... I'm going to stop talking now. That sounds interesting.
1: We should talk
3: about that. Perspective is everything because which one is which?
0: Yeah. You know what I was thinking about the other day is how utopias will never exist right because the idea of a utopia is all based upon your perspective Mm -hmm. and what you personally want out of it and since people want different things it's never going to be a true utopia which is where everybody is like this is perfection and to relate that i guess to everything like morality villains and heroes and stories oftentimes you'll have villains who a really good villain, at least in my opinion, is not somebody who's like, I just want to kill because it's boring. A good villain is somebody that goes, I have this purpose, this determination, and it goes against what the the protagonist of the story is. It's, it's a conflict between the protagonist who says, this is my worldview and this is how it should be. And the antagonist going, no, this is how it should be. And it's really about perspective in the most parts. And most of us usually relate to the protagonist because they're usually right although sometimes the dark side of the force makes a little bit of sense, you know.
1: Hmm. Honestly, I feel like if we combine the light side and the dark side and have it a little more only gray, it would make more <laughs> sense, but that's all I'm saying. They have are to have constantly balance talking the force. about balance in the
3: force, yeah. and yet they always forget to balance the force. They're
0: so. really bad at it. It just takes a scale and a little bit on hmm. one side, a lot more on the other.
1: I think the idea of of the protagonist in a story is interesting because you're always like, yeah, they're the good guy. But good guys tend to do bad things to reach their end goal of the good. And same thing with a villain or a bad guy doesn't mean that every single one of their actions has to be bad to reach their end goal, which is a, a bad goal in our opinion. And so I think it's really interesting because there are moments that the protagonist or the the villain has to make choices. And I agree with what you're saying, Mike, is that if you have a villain who's just like, I'm evil just for fun, like just because I want to be, it doesn't make them a compelling character. Same as a good person. I think a truly good protagonist doesn't make an interesting character because Humans are not purely good or purely evil. They're a bad guy can have a family and love his kids or their kids. It could be a woman. Equal rights. Woo. Um, just as a <laughs> women can be evil. As,
0: great, no. great, yeah, <laughs> great, Amy.
1: Hey, Thank you, Amy. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> It doesn't have to be a guy or a girl or they, them. It could be anybody could be evil if they want to be. Yeah. It's all what you set your mind Women to. Women can be whatever they want to be, <laughs> yeah. even if they want to be the bad guy. <laughs> yeah. No, but the example I always come to is if a good guy kills the bad character, they have to kill somebody in order to get rid of the bad character. So doesn't that make them bad because they're using something that is wrong
0: to complete their end goal. Yeah. Is is murder ever justified? And that's the idea. Yeah. It's like, well, in self-defense. It's like, but still murder. Yeah. You know, it's but is is. still murder. Yeah, it is, but But... it's it's not because it's justified, right? Murder is killing one person. You know, if that's how we define it, I guess. Murder is killing somebody. Then you have to say, okay, but what excuses can we give? Because I mean, come on, there's always a little bit of excuses. Everybody can kill somebody at one point, right? Everybody? Come on. Come on
2: you know uh yeah and then then we go okay self-defense
0: cool then you have to break down well what is self-defense and it's like all of a sudden your pixel scale of gray gets so blurry because now you have to figure out each individual aspect just like with you know our ai thing so yeah it's it's an interesting I think if you really want to build a really nice protagonist and antagonist, you have to have them...
1: Antagonist. That's the word. I was like, protagonist (laughs) and villain. (laughs) Pro (laughs) and anti.
0: Yeah. Yeah. If you if you want to build two, first of all, it, it works really well if they each have a little bit of each other in them. But really? it's a yin and a yang situation where mm-hmm. there's just a tiny bit that reflects each side and you have to figure out, okay, what boundaries does the the protagonist have to break? In order to defeat the antagonist, that they would never do if the antagonist didn't even exist. Gray areas are fun. They're, I think it's the most interesting.
2: As long as your villain makes you think just a little bit, <laughs> mm-hmm. I feel like the perfect, I know weird, it's the whole Batman thing, but. I feel like an even better one for me personally is Daredevil slash Punisher. The whole idea of like Daredevil's capturing these people, but they keep getting out, and then Punisher puts them down and they're not they're not getting (laughs) out. And then that makes you think. Yeah. That you're like, oh no. You're like, oh, anytime I have a character that is making me try to side with them and I'm kind of like,
1: Well, this is kind of making sense and I wish I didn't feel that way. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's that age old question. Well, Age old saying of like the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few, except like yeah. what if it's <laughs> that's
2: the entire <laughs> that's the yeah. entire belief behind what call it like the one hundred the whole more like oh yeah. yeah yeah
1: talk about
3: morally gray
2: Holy oh lord
3: whole series no no we're not talking about clark (laughs) shut your face (laughs) (laughs) no she's She's a whole moral enigma in and of herself
2: liam i feel like you'd be better to talk about this i don't remember the name so i'm just gonna Uh it is it's uh post-world war ii multi-dimensional bad guy villain name is is john right
3: the man in the high castle oh
4: man the high
2: castle talk about talk about john
4: john John smith
3: Smith, the american nazi
4: He's one of my favorite characters ever because he's a very interesting character. So basically, towards the end of the war when the Nazis captured America, he was given a choice to either join the Nazis and save his family or to try and flee and see if he can make it out or not. So he decided to join the Nazis and protect his family. But as the time goes on, he rises the ranks more and more and he gets more and more in line with the Nazi ideology to when at first it was just to protect his family but now it's starting to become part of his entire life and he realizes it and it begins to disgust him disgust 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 him but at the same time he doesn't really do anything about it because he i mean in the end he can't really do anything about it he just continues to do his thing But he doesn't really start to change until one of the Nazi ideologies that hurt so many people really begin to hurt him, where his son got some kind of disease. I don't know what disease he got, but he got a disease that was going to be fatal. And so in the regime, you can't you can't have that. You automatically you kill him and he wanted to try there was a small chance that his son could live so he tried to do anything he could to try and make a son live but because his son was born or he wasn't born but he almost all of his life he grew up under nazi propaganda and ideology he turned himself in to die and that's when like the family and the and this character really started going downhill because he really started messing himself up and all that i don't know Mom can probably explain it better. Explain like the first half. <laughs> she can get the second half. The
3: Nazi government gave all American military officers the ability to transfer and join them when they defeated America. And they do it by giving them food. You know, they're starving and giving them dignity. And instead of doing it out of fear, they they make them seem like there's hope right and so his whole family is raised under this ideology where it's protected him and it's supported him and it's allowed him and his family to thrive and so he's been able to ignore atrocities that have occurred throughout his time because they're still his family safe right so for the first time when his son is diagnosed it's the first time he's had to really step back and question what's going on because those ideologies that have protected him and his family that whole time are suddenly the enemy. They're suddenly turning against him and it may, it forces him to have to question everything that he's done and where he's at.
0: It's, it's the idea that empathy is not always a, a luxury And we we can Mm -hmm. often think about the idea of like, I can't believe this group was not empathetic. They didn't care until it happened to them. But it's not necessarily that easy of a choice. Empathy... Can come from a sense of privilege where you don't have to make that difficult choice, and obviously you should train yourself to be as empathetic as possible. But Mm -hmm. it's not necessarily like flipping on a switch and going, "Okay, I I'm going to do the right thing here, and I'm going to fight the Nazis more." When you have a family now to take care of, you know, and it's Mm -hmm. it's it's one of those where you're like, "It's bad, yes, but what level of bad? It's that great morally gray of like if you put yourself Mm -hmm. in that exact same situation." Yeah. you can say, oh, I'm going to fight the Nazis like every single day until you get to that point. they are like, but they also have food.
1: I also yeah. feel like we should say that we don't support Nazis. Yeah, no, of we course. do I not. just want to. That's, <laughs> a, that's a given. <laughs> yeah. But just in case anyone is listening <laughs> no, to this conversation. I yeah. just think it's an interesting
2: conversation to have because that villain falls in line with the morally gray area so well. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Where you know, like Nazis are bad. We're taught that yeah. we know it. They did terrible things, mm-hmm. and now we're questioning. Like that makes a great character because you're yeah. questioning his motives, then you're questioning their motives. You're like, what's going on here? Like, I'm actually caring for this character Well, I shouldn't. Like, mm-hmm. it was really good writing.
3: Yeah, one of the best characters <laughs> <That> character. <laughs> I have ever seen written in any story,
0: and a villain, right?
3: And a, yeah, he yeah. he's a villain. i um, an antagonist. Oh, an sorry. Antagonist. <laughs> sorry. You know what? Sorry, yeah, he wasn't a villain. <laughs> okay. He was an antagonist. But they it gets to a point at the end, near the end of the series, when his wife she's like breaking because of everything happening. Yeah. She has to to go through these same questions as well because she's risen through the ranks with him as as the wife of a very prominent leader and the. Benefits that that has afforded her versus questioning, like, I'm doing all this to protect my family, but is it actually putting them in danger? Right. So towards the end, she's asking him, like, just stop. You have to stop this. And he goes, I don't know that I can. And you can see the conflict portrayed in that moment where he knows he's doing mm-hmm. everything wrong. And he also realizes he can't stop himself. He's like
1: all in. It's a very emotional, very oh, emotional yeah. moment. So, a good antagonist is written to the point where you kind of start questioning things. But is a good protagonist also written well when you start questioning things?
0: Yeah, uh, kind of. I would say a more interesting protagonist is written that way. Yeah. Uh, yeah especially yeah. if you see That's the think. protagonist making decisions that you're like, dude, no, you shouldn't do that. No, because I, I think in general, if you're looking at characters and you want to understand character arcs or just stories in general, you have to think, what choices does the character make? And a good story will have more than one choice available and each option will seem fine. And then that choice will then inform how the character makes their next choice and their next choice and their next choice. And eventually it will change how the character reacts to their decisions. Maybe they'll come to have regret for their choices, or maybe they will, they will get stronger along the way. But if you have the idea of a Mary Sue in a, a position of being a protagonist, then you really as a personal like watcher I, I don't like those kind of characters i like when the characters have flaws because it's more relatable to me because mm-hmm. i hate to break this to you i'm not perfect guys i am damn close okay but, <gasps> this is breaking uh, news <laughs> to yeah. uh, i might be a beautiful smart wonderful <laughs> talented individual oh, boy. but every once in a while i'll make a wrong decision i'll have pizza instead of like bratwursts <laughs> (laughs) That sounds like a great character.
2: Uh, Protagonist breaks character and he eats pizza.
3: (laughs) But it makes makes the characters more relatable. And the more relatable a character is, especially when you're looking at the perspective of flawed good people, right? Like we all want to think of ourselves as a good person, but we all have shames and guilts about things that we have done and in many ways we're just broken right so when we see this good character on a screen or in a, read them in a book and they're flawed and broken too it not only is more entertaining cuz it's realistic it gives you hope in your life like
1: yeah that's a good point
3: i yeah. i'm not as bad as i've been telling myself i am like it's all usually on a on an unconscious <laughs> level but it's beneficial
1: in real life <laughs> i didn't kill all these people so i'm doing okay today <laughs> <laughs>
0: It also helps you generate empathy for a character that you might not have empathy mm-hmm. for or mm-hmm. understand a situation. Oh, that's true. Yeah.
3: Which can translate to garnering empathy more in real life.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Which is yeah. always a good thing. It, you gotta think about it. Every single person here is a villain in somebody's story. Like somebody out there oh, for sure. hates your guts because of something you did. They know who they and...
3: are. I have a lot of people yeah. who hate me. There's Ugh. like a whole list.
0: I have like yeah, one or two people that hate me, everybody else. <laughs> Just loves me. Oh, okay.
3: That's because the rest of them are gone.
2: I was gonna say I hate to out Brendan here, but he had a book of grudges, and I was like the first four pages.
0: (laughs) 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 Yeah, and that's that's that whole perspective thing, right? If you think if you can write a villain like they think they're the good guy, then that's great. Mm -hmm. And it should be the exact same perspective with the good guy. I think the major difference between a hero and a villain is the hero tries to do the general right thing, even if they don't succeed at it. Whereas a villain Mm -hmm. usually just tries to to do what is either selfish or evil, wrong, you know, it's all about intent. Although what I do hate, I know that we can save this for a whole nother thing is uh, an evil character does one action that is redeemable and all of a sudden they are the good guy i can't stand that because you have to atone for your actions and you can't just do it through one like well i shot the bad guy who killed a million people so i'm now the hero like i i don't like that sort of twist it's in
2: uh, avatar the last airbender specifically the animated series
0: the bad guy in that kind
2: of does something similar but Everyone hates him for a good season. They're like, you've done terrible things, and here you are trying to help us. And it it was such a wonderful arc of a character that is a, you don't like him but then he becomes likable through exactly that like slowly redeeming himself instead of at the very end yeah. like he instantly comes over and like oh we you're a hero it's okay you million you murdered millions but you're fine we love you i think if you're going to
3: have a redemption story or at least a redemption arc with a villain or an antagonist, the bad guy, it needs to take place over a long period of time. It can't just be, I like yes. I like said, I did one good thing and now suddenly I've flipped the switch, right? You still have to make amends. You still have to work towards the end. It needs to be in a believable way because no one just suddenly goes, I'm going to be the good guy now, right? Like, you didn't just... Become a bad guy, it, you slid into it and you have to kind of slide out of it as well. It takes time for the character development to shift and that needs to be portrayed in your story. Yeah. And I think the longer you have to tell a story, the more story there is, the more believable it is to portray that redemption arc.
2: I think, and this is kind of developing off of everyone's ideas, rephrasing them in some sort of way, that what really makes good characters in general is when it's less about switching sides from good or bad and just a character making a choice based on what they have Mm -hmm. Uh, and you see that a lot in game of thrones where it's like i can't really game of thrones and sorry the 100 i keep bringing it back up (laughs) but like you have characters that are just making choices and your opinion then develops on that character it doesn't necessarily it's not like Mm -hmm. a scale like Oh, they're good now. Oh, they're bad now. It's just like, oh, they made a choice based on. Oh, they made a bad yeah,
3: choice. Yeah, you made a good choice. Yeah,
2: exactly. You're not like, oh, they made a bad choice. Doesn't instantly make them a bad character, vice versa. Good choice, good character. It's just like, oh, they're going to regret that one. Mm-hmm. And I, I th- that's what oh, makes it interesting. I love characters this character.
3: Why did they do that?
2: Yep. Nope. freaking the
3: 100 oh my gosh Like some of those characters you flip back and forth every other season you're oh, like Bellamy uh, you are a monster and I hate you and then <laughs> the next, next season you're like, like Bellamy is like, the I best character you. you're like my precious
0: baby boy
1: S tier
3: yeah like it's just back and forth Jacob's
0: actions were ridiculous
1: there's not a Jacob in that show so clearly you're lying i forgot
0: i was, it was really it was uh samanthuel
2: Samantha. <laughs> i remember <No>. them yeah <laughs> no
4: <laughs> one of my favorite lines from game of thrones is a good act does not wash out the bad nor the bad the good which uh was said by stannis and he's usually one of my favorite characters just because he's just like he always act upon that he never saw anybody as black and white, as I feel like most people do in that show, even though it's such a gray universe. Everybody always saw somebody as good or evil or family and family, but Stannis saw everybody as, like, there's potential in them, but at the same time, we can't just think, like, oh, they've done... They can do good things, therefore they are a good person. They've done bad things, and you can't let that go away. You can't let that go to waste. Like, they need to be punished accordingly for what they've done. But it doesn't mean that they have to die because they have potential to be a better person. And so, yeah, I think that is what makes... Which I was very happy about that when I first watched Game of Thrones. Because it's something I've always thought of and I never, you never see.
2: No. <laughs>
4: and, yeah, I don't know. I think there's a lot of different things that you can make characters that way. But there's also, like, a lot of unique villains that don't usually... That aren't really in that gray area. But you can still understand or sympathize them, sympathize with them. One of my favorites is Star Trek. I think it's Next Generation was the first, or Generations was the first movie. Mm, yeah, new generation one. Star Trek Valen, Generations. Yeah, yeah. The villain in that guy, I don't remember his name, but the villain in that movie, he was just wanted to get back to his like. He just his, wanted his family. He wanted his family. He wanted to be get back with his family who died, but it was in like this. Like utopia type thing. What is the it The nexus. The nexus, yeah, but yeah. the nexus is like a what is it like? What, like what's the, the word? The nexus for like, is a an paradise, energy ribbon no, floating no, 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 through space. No, 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 no. That's like it's it, not, it it's gives not, you all nerd, your dreams. Ah, you? ah, <laughs> no, no, no. I was just trying to think of the word paradise. It's a paradise. <laughs> yeah. You get teleported. It's not like a Customized paradise for It's a paradise for just your personal self, and you get this perfect whatever, and you can do whatever you want. And he just wanted to get back. But the problem is, is that, like, I think it killed a lot of people, him trying to get back. And so he just wanted to get back to his family. And you could sympathize really hard with him because he wants to get back to this paradise that he was absolutely that he was torn from because his family died. But in the process, he was being really selfish because he was killing people to do it. So it's like, we're sympathizing with somebody who's killing somebody. We're, we're, we're sympathizing with someone who's killing a bunch of people for themselves, which I find really interesting. Yeah.
3: Feel for his suffering that he's been through. And you understand, like, he's just desperate to get back to a place where he can, in theory, be with his family again. But the reality is, he's a villain because he's willing to kill millions of people to get there it kind of like goes in a circle because his family was killed in the same way that he's now going to kill other people. Exactly.
0: Isn't isn't that what we typically break down heroes and villains for is self-sacrifice is a hero, whereas Mm -hmm. it's true. Sacrificing of others for your own self is the villain. Yep. I think that's the core element in almost every single good versus bad is do you, you know, is it for everybody else or is it for yourself?
3: Yeah, exactly.
4: Another unique villain that's really popular, I guess, is that a lot of people like, for some reason, is the Joker, who he's just, I mean, he's pretty much pure chaos and pure evil, but yet people love him a lot. I don't know if it's because of charisma or if because sometimes he makes some good points in the middle of killing a bunch of people, but I've never understood. I, I think he's a really good villain just because he's so unique, but I don't understand why People like him in a lot of other ways besides that, you know?
2: I feel like maybe they like him because he's the antithesis of Batman and therefore it makes Batman grow as a character when when he is questioning the rules he set out for himself. Which makes us as an audience more interested in that in both Batman and the villain. Because
0: yeah. that specifically is one yeah. of the reasons why Batman and Batman villains work so well together is cause each villain is a specific aspect of Batman or Bruce Wayne's personality that he has to contend with. So, you know, every every part you see, every villain is specifically talking to a part of him that he has to fight against. And that the Joker just happens to be Uh, not only in Interesting comic book character that it also has some great portrayals in film, but it speaks to a very core aspect of Batman, which would be: do we have to do this with specific rules in mind, or are rules ridiculous? Mm. So yeah, that's I, that's one of the reasons why I love Batman. I I don't like necessarily the character of Batman himself because I uh, or Bruce Wayne because it's the billionaire that could, you know maybe
4: just set up some some universal basic set income up centers some charity. Some help. And- <laughs> but, <laughs> I mean, everybody says that, but he constantly does, and like almost That's all his true. iterations, true. He's
3: got the He's Bruce Wayne foundation up going.
4: Yeah, like foundations and charities. Yeah, it's yeah. not
0: enough. Along do with more. People. Also, <laughs> just just kill the Joker. Just do it. It's fine. He'll st- he won't murder as many <laughs> if people. If you're
3: unwilling to do it, hire someone who will. You've yeah. got the money.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Your son Damien, He'll kill the Joker. It's fine. Just let him do it. Perfect. Batman has a son. Yeah,
1: Batman be boning. This is new. you know
4: how to me many well. different iterations of Batman there is in the comics, <laughs> yeah. bro? Isn't there one where Batman's like a zebra or like a train or something? I don't know.
1: <laughs> 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 Anyways, <laughs> now I just imagine Thomas the Tank Engine with a Batman mask on.
4: <laughs> Anyways, ba ba
1: ba 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 ba.
3: I did want to go back real quick before we wrap up talking about long arcs of redemption for a villain versus, you know, snap. I made a decision and suddenly I'm, uh, I'm a good guy. I think one of the best portrayals of this that I have seen is in The Walking Dead. I think it's towards the end of season five, the introduce a villain named Negan, who is just he's chaos and violence and horrific and evil and bad guy and you hate him with like everything in your being you hate this guy and it takes a season and a half or a couple seasons or something to finally overcome and defeat him and instead of killing him they lock him up in the basement of a house they like make this little prison area and they lock him up and they just leave him there and he's there for the whole rest of the series and slowly interacting with some of the other characters and drawing information out or them getting to like just unleash their anger on him slowly over the seasons. You know, they let him out to do some gardening or they let him out to help with some other thing. Cause he's expendable and it takes a very, very long time, like mm. six seasons or whatever he's been in it where he's, you still hate him but you love him as well like he becomes really the star of the show because of the way that they write him it's so well written it's so slow burning his shift from bad guy into not so bad guy into tolerable guy into okay he really actually gives a damn about these people he used to want to just kill
0: i think you could say the if you're looking at a the opposite of that, you can do Walter White and Breaking Bad goes from yes. goes from just a this is just a dude. Yeah, this is I wanna <laughs> do something for my family to like I only care about me. And it takes mm-hmm. five seasons to do that.
3: Yeah, they it's they reflect each other very well. And that's that's why breaking bad was so it's compelling because it slowly transformed his character over time.
2: Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, he's he's a constantly evolving character, like most of the characters in that show. That's why yeah. it was interesting. Yeah, I have to pee.
1: <laughs> Me oh. too. Oh well, if you guys have to pee, we can wrap things up. Are you an AI listening? Mm-hmm. Are you morally good or bad, or are you other? Check the box here. Because it's like if you're an AI, check the yeah. yeah. Anyways, thank you for listening to today's podcast. We greatly appreciate it. If you want to reach out to us, you can hit us up at One L Two N Productions over on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Reddit. Or if you like what we're doing, you want to help support the show, you can head on over to our Patreon, which would be much appreciated. And the last word of the day goes to is me. I would just like to point out that we hit three of our checkboxes on this episode. We talked about Marvel, we talked about Game of Thrones, and we talked about Star Wars. Good job, everyone. We did it.